He sits at a big desk in the clouds and watches everywhere. It's what Jody, a nine-year-old, said about God. God doesn't need a house except on Sundays when he needs to rest, said Ethan, who was eight. I call God when I need help with things, but not my homework because mom says I have to do it myself, says Jackson, a seven-year-old. Tough homework as a seven-year-old. I love what Manny says. My mom talks to God when we need more money. Kids, just talking about who God is. Over the last few weeks, you and I have been looking at what Scripture states on who God is. We looked at Yahweh, Jehovah. Last week, you had the opportunity to look at my favorite passage in the Old Testament, in the name Jehovah Jireh. The one who provides, who sees ahead of time and provides. And today, we will look at my second favorite passage in the Old Testament. As we look at Adonai. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, shows us an episode in the life of Isaiah, the prophet's life. When he was called by God. And in that calling, in that vision that we are about to read about, we are about to read this account in Isaiah chapter 6. We will see multiple times the name Adonai. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Isaiah chapter 6 and I'm going to read for us the whole chapter. Most of our time this morning we will spend in verses 1 through 10, but let me draw your attention to all 13 verses and we will close with that 13th verse in just a few moments. In the year that King Uzziah died, let's stop there for a second. Uzziah, king, King for a number of not just years, but decades. He was the stable force. Even as an older man, even as an older king, and his son was probably doing all the things that the king would normally do, there was still stability because of Uzziah. All of Israel looked to him and saw this stability. He had been on the throne decade after decade after decade. And in the year that he died, a year of instability, a year of great loss, a year of mourning, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw Adonai. I saw Adonai sitting upon the throne. I saw Adonai high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him stood the seraphim. Seraphim are a uh, sect of angels. They're about to be described here as flaming ones. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two this seraphim flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. For I am lost, some translations state, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of Adonai saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go. And say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, their, and blind their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Adonai? How long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lie waste, without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth. Or an oak whose stump remains when it is failed. Catch this last sentence. The holy seed is its stump. Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage today. Father, as we look at your name. A name that you showed Yourself to Abram, to Moses, to David, to Joshua, to those before even this account here in Isaiah chapter 6 to Isaiah. And Father, a name, an attribute, and characteristic of how you have shown yourself even to us. Father, I fear that some of us in this room find ourselves like those in Israel. Our hearing 
our seeing is dull. Our hearts hardened. We have heard this all before. We have seen these words before. I pray this morning in these moments, God, You would speak. You would pull back the blinds like You did for Isaiah. You would allow us to see afresh, anew who You are. You would allow us to hear the glories of Your great name. And Father, those of us in this place this morning, afresh and anew, we would bow our knees. We would confess with our mouths who You are as Adonai. God, would You speak this morning, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before we get to the passage itself, let's first see this, the meaning of Adonai. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at a name which was written in English, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It is the name Yahweh or Jehovah. It's how it is written in Hebrew, and we translate that in English as all of those capital letters of Lord. It was written some 628 times, I believe, in the Old Testament. This name, Adonai, is written over 300 times in the Old Testament when it is spoken of God. There are, number, there are a number of other times that it is spoken of or written in the Old Testament, but it is speaking of a person like he is the Lord of the house. He's the master of the house. Potiphar was spoken of that. Abraham was spoken of that. A number of others are written of that. But when it comes to God, over 300 times, this name, Adonai, is written. And the name Adonai connotes, it, it speaks of an attribute, it speaks of a characteristic of God as the one who is in control, the one who is ruling over all things. And we state it, Lord. In understanding that meaning, sir, in, in understanding that meaning for us this morning, Ma'am, if you say that you are a believer, that you are a Christian, that you have bowed your knee to the Lord, might I just state that there is no way for you or me, after we state Lord, that we can say, I won't do this. After we say, Lord, we can't say, no. If we do, and everybody in this room has done it, when I do, when you do that, you take him off the throne and you place yourself 
You try to place yourself. I try to place myself on His throne. And we can't do it. The meaning of Adonai means Lord, Master, King, and Ruler. God showed Himself in this moment to Isaiah. And He has shown Himself to you and me in this moment as just that, Adonai. And so we see the meaning of Adonai. Look with me there in verses 1-3. through three. It states this one more time. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw Adonai. I saw the Lord. Where, where was the Lord? The Lord was sitting upon a throne. The Lord was high and lifted up. The Lord's robe had a train on it and it filled the temple. The Lord was in His rightful place, which is ruling. Not only do we see the meaning of this word, but let's look at the vision of Adonai. In verses 1 through 6, we see this vision as it unfolds. It is a glorious sight for Isaiah. It's a glorious sight for you and me to understand it, to to come and be able to read about something that happened some 700 years before Christ came. To hear about the setting As I stated just a moment ago, that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Let's talk about this setting for just a moment. Isaiah saw God. He saw Him when Israel was hurting. He saw Him when the stability of a nation was shaken. He saw Him when the king, the earthly king, was gone. Question for us this morning. For some of us in this room, stability at this moment is shaken. It's shaken in a family with the loss of a family member. It's shaken in a family with not understanding where the financial means are going to come from for your life, for today, for this week, for rent. It's shaken in the stability of a nation that seems to be at odds with every other nation or even with half of its own every single day. And Adonai, the Lord, showed Himself to Isaiah to remind him who He, God, is. To remind Isaiah who God is. So may He remind me this morning. May He remind us this morning who He is as well. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. I saw Him high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. This past week, I found myself in an auditorium with a number of parents and grandparents and friends 
watching their daughters and loved ones walk across the stage. It was some beauty pageant that I was there watching Saturday night and Sunday and every single individual on the stage. I say every, almost every single individual on the stage had a dress on. And that dress had a train. And I was sitting there Saturday night and I was mesmerized by one. And the one that I was mesmerized, the girl was just holding this train. She was holding her hands out like this. And on both sides of her hands, there was fabric. And it was flowing with every step that she took. And she came out to the middle of the stage and hanging from the ceiling. There were sequins and there was a row of lights coming down on this side and on that side. And her train caught one of them. And she walked out to the end and so did the string of light. And I was like, I wonder which one's going to win. And she turned, and as she turned, it let loose, and it goes swinging back, and all the judges and everybody else in the auditorium was able to see the train of this young lady's dress. And I thought about this passage. The train of his robe doesn't just hit the lights. The train of his robe doesn't just fall behind him. No, the train of his robe, do you see what it states there? The temple in heaven where you and I will spend, for those of us who know him, for those of us who are his, we will spend eternity there. The train of his robe filled the temple. The longer the train, the more glory, the more weight the more awe is due the person who is wearing the robe. And this robe, the Lord, Adonai's robe, fills the temple. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. They couldn't stand there, and so above Him are these seraphim. There's a whole host of them. A seraph was a flaming angel. Each of them had six wings. With two of them, they covered their face. Why? Because they were in the presence of the Lord and they couldn't look upon Him. With two, they covered their feet because they were in the presence of the the Lord and it was holy. But with two of their wings, they were flying and doing exactly what the Lord called them to do. And God told this one seraph to go to the altar and pick up a hot coal. And we see what he does with this coal. Before that, we see the whole host of them in this display of who the Lord Adonai is. We see that they are Stating back and forth, back and forth, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. There's no way for us to fully comprehend 
what you and I will experience when we are in that moment. When we're in that moment for the first time. When we're in that moment for a million years from the first time. We will all be in awe of Adonai. In that moment, Isaiah saw the temple, the foundations of the thresholds. They shook. They shook at the voice of him who called. The house was filled with smoke. In that moment, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw himself. Have you ever seen yourself? You. you you and I like to think of ourselves a little better than we really are sometimes. We like to judge ourselves versus the neighbors, versus the guy down the street, versus some customers, versus some people that we don't know, that we just think we know. We like to, to gauge where we stand. And when we do... When I do, I won't put you in the boat with me. How's that? Let y'all do that. When I do, if I'm not careful, I start seeing somebody and I, and I put them like right there and then I maybe just put myself just a little bit right here and then I see somebody else and I say, well, if they're there, then you know what? Maybe you're a little right here. Wasn't too long ago that I had to uh, take a couple of surveys, and on those survey questions, about 22 of them, I had to look and say, all right, one to five, where are you? And as I was answering those questions, then the gentleman who was giving me the survey said, all right, you can't use number three anymore. And so I go about four or five more, and then I say, well, I don't really want to put two there, but I know I'm not a four, so I have to put two. And then about four or five more questions. He said, all right, you can't put two or four. Well, dadgum. Are you a one or a five, Brian? I want to say five, but I know I'm lying. Why? Because I would be elevating myself a little higher than I know that I am. When Isaiah saw Adonai, he was not elevating himself any higher than he needed to be. When he saw true north, when he saw the one who does not slant this way or that way, when he saw the Lord, he saw himself. And he said, I am ruined. I'm dead. I'm lost. Look there in verse number 5. He states, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes, for my eyes, have seen the King. At 10.56 this morning, will you take just a moment? Will you take just a moment with me and allow this to sink in about who this king is? 
who Adonai truly is. King, Lord, Master, Ruler. And when you see Him, when you get a glimpse of Him, church, would we not look at ourselves in the same way that Isaiah looked at himself? If Isaiah chapter 6 stopped in verse number 5, you and I would have no hope. If Isaiah chapter 6 stopped right there when Isaiah saw the Lord and then he saw himself and he said, I am ruined. But I'm so thankful that it doesn't stop there. Because not only is God Adonai, but God is Jehovah Jireh. The one who saw your need ahead of you even knowing that you had a need and he provided for that need is displayed right here in these verses. Then one of the seraphim flew to me having, a, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Aren't you and I thankful that God saw beforehand and took away your guilt, sir? He took away your sin, ma'am. And how he did that was through his son. who laid on the altar and took all the wrath of the Father, took on sin, became sin, so that you and I might have His righteousness. Jesus states it this way in John chapter 14, starting in verse 5. You see the verses, I believe, will be on the screen. Thomas said to Him, Lord... We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you know, excuse me, you had known, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, Show us the Father. Show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. He does his works. Behold, excuse me, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Over and over and over again, this scene, God showing himself to his people is occurring. He is showing himself to you today. 
He has shown Himself day after day. He has shown Himself week past week, past week, past week. In the verses of Scripture, time and again, He is showing us Himself. What's in a name, Riverbend? In the name Adonai, you and I see our Lord. Not only do we see the meaning of the name Adonai and the vision of Adonai, but finally this morning, you and I need to see the mission. The mission that comes from Adonai. In verses 8-13, through 13, after Isaiah saw who he was, that he was ruined, and after God touched his lips from the altar, here's what he states. I heard the voice of Adonai saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people all these things. Look there in verse number 8. He says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Brian, I thought we served one God. We do. I thought in Deuteronomy chapter 6 it states that there is only one God. It does. Then what in the world is God saying when He says, Who will go for us? Of the 300 times that the word Adonai is spoken about God, well over 99% of them, not everyone, but well over 99% of those 300 is in the plural. You're like, so we serve a multiplicity of gods. No, we serve one God. He is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, here's what God said. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, God, then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, that was God the Father in Genesis. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 states, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, through the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. I didn't put this one on the screen, but Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 states this about Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things, all things were created through Him. All things were created for 
him. And then in Job chapter 26 verse 13 states this, by his wind, by his ruach, by his spirit, the heavens were made. They were made fair. What are you trying to say, Brian? I'm trying to get you to understand as much as we possibly can because we are speaking of an infinite God. And we are trying to understand an infinite God in finite men and women's gray matter. And some of your gray matter is much more than mine, and I pray none of yours is less than mine because mine is not very much. But in our gray matter as men and women in 2018, how in the world can we comprehend an infinite God? Do you believe Him? As I was reading, studying for this, a number of commentaries just had to read them multiple times over to try to understand as much as I possibly could. And then I loved one statement. And in that one statement, they said, you just have to trust God. And then the author of the commentary gave an illustration. And they went to Miss Einstein and said to her, do you understand the theory of relativity? She said, no. I don't understand it. But I know Mr. Einstein. Do you understand God? In all of his complexities, in all of his attributes, in all of the ways that he has shown us who he is and the myriad of others. Brian, I don't trust anything that I don't understand. Really? I would beg to differ that. Do you understand electricity, yet you allow yourself to sit under lights? Do you understand every component of an automobile that brought you here or that will take you away from here? Do you understand every component of an airplane that you get in and fly thousands of feet above the sky? Do you understand every component of millions of tons of steel that you place yourself on to float on water? To say that you and I have to understand something before we will trust in that thing is just wrong. I go back to this passage to state this. And the Lord said to me, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? The Lord had a mission, a mission for Isaiah. He had a mission for Isaiah to be about the work that God had called him to do. And you know what? The Lord has a mission for you. He has a mission for us. Maybe that mission is at school each and every day, students. Maybe that mission is at work 
That mission is at home. That mission that he has is for all of us who are his. Those of us who are his, who call him Adonai, as I stated at the beginning, if you and I do that, there is no way for you nor myself to state after that, no. He is either Adonai, Lord, or he's a liar or a lunatic. You can't say he's a good teacher. You can't just say he's a good man, speaking of Jesus, speaking of God. You can't just say that he is a great rabbi, teacher. He's either Lord, meaning that he is who he says he is. He's a liar. Everything that he has said, not some of it, but everything that he has said is false. Or he was crazy. I read a sermon by Adrian Rogers on this passage. And in that sermon, Dr. Rogers said, you know what, I believe in pluralism. In pluralism, we believe, I believe, that if you want to worship like the Buddhists, go be a Buddhist. You can worship that. Confucian, go worship. Muhammad, go worship. But what you cannot do, sir, ma'am, what we cannot do is take a little from this place and take a little from that place and bring them together. That's not pluralism. That's called syncretism. Syncretism is bringing all the different religions together and say, hey, we're going to make our way to the top of the mountain. No, you will not. There is one way. I didn't say it. You didn't say it. He said it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Let me close with a quote. In thinking about Adonai, our Lord, believers constantly use this name in addressing God. They constantly, you and I, constantly use it to express their relation to and dependence on Him, as well as their faith in the faithfulness of one who... Because He is their rightful Lord. Is bound to sustain and keep and help them. But God. But God also no less when speaking of Himself continually claims this title as declaring His relationships of master and husband to us, relationships which, while they set us in a place of honor, 
For to be even a servant, much more to be the beloved of the King of kings, is great honor, no less involve most solemn responsibilities. If called with such a calling, we are unfaithful to it. The author of that quote is trying to get across this point. For those of you in the room who call Him Lord. Live that way. Don't live that way just here in this room. Don't just live that way. If you call Him Lord. And you mean it. Don't just live that way on Sunday. If you call Him Lord. Live it. For that is who He is. He is King and Lord and Master. Not not just over Sundays at 11 o'clock, but He is Lord over all. He spoke all of this into existence. He allows you to breathe one more breath. He allows my heart to beat one more time. He allows you to see one more sunrise, possibly one more sunset. He allows you to live in this moment. Live it, sir, ma'am, as him being Adonai. In him being Adonai, he sitting on the throne with the train of his robe filling the temple, with him hearing This attribute being called out over and over and over again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. He knew you and I had no way to pronounce that name in His presence. He knew there would be no moment without Him acting, sir. Without Him working without Him coming, that you and I would ever have the opportunity to be in His presence. And so He came. He lived 30 plus years on this earth. He called Himself Jesus. He did not sin. He took your place because He loved you so much He died for you. He died for your sins. He paid for your sins. You and I were strangers. You and I were enemies. But God demonstrated His love towards you, sir. Ma'am, He loved us so much. Brian, I've heard it before. Yeah. And you need to hear it again. You and I need to hear it afresh and again. And anew, you and I need to hear it every moment of the day because the gospel isn't just to get us saved. The gospel is for us to live it out every single day. To know what He did for you. So that your day would be different, Brian. So that your words would be different, Brian. So that your words and your ways and your thoughts and wherever He takes us, Whatever the task that is in front of you today, whatever the task that is in front of us this week, that we would allow Him, Lord, 
to walk with us through it. Heavenly Father, it is easy for me to say, Lord. It's easy for us to say it. Father, it is also easy for us to even think that yeah, we, we have you as Lord. But Father, I pray that in this moment, just as we sing the beginning of our service, that your spirit, your spirit's welcome here. Father, your spirit dwells in us. Your spirit would convict me. Where I have lied to you, I've lied to myself in stating that, yes, you're my Lord, yet the tone in my voice says you're not. The words that I state, the things that I am a part of, Father, you would convict us. We are your children. Not only do the heavens declare your handiwork, we are your people, Father. May we come back to you. The invitation is for you this morning. I pray that he has been speaking. I pray that you have been listening to him speak. As we stand and as we sing, I ask you to respond. You respond right where you are. Maybe you need to come to the front and pray. You come and pray. You want me to pray with you? I'm here. But respond to him for who he is as Alex and the worship team leaders.